Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today's Gospel has been a favorite for many, many people. Artists throughout the centuries have tried to capture the beauty of this story. In fact, Pope John Paul II claimed that this story was one of his most favorite biblical stories in all of the Bible. In fact, if you read Pope John Paul's encyclical, Veritas Splendor, The Splendor of Truth, he uses this very story to teach us about the spiritual life. So then it begs the question, what is it about this story that captures the hearts of so many people for centuries on end? Well, it's because it speaks precisely to the heart of the spiritual life. The essence of the Christian spiritual and moral life is found in this very story. Now, before we tackle it, what I want to do is first go into that first reading from the Book of Wisdom. Right now, we're listening to Solomon praying to God. In some ways, you could say we're eavesdropping on his prayer. Notice what Solomon says. I prayed, and prudence was given to me. I pleaded, and the spirit of wisdom came to me. I preferred wisdom to scepter and throne. I deemed riches nothing in comparison with wisdom. Nor did I liken any priceless gem to wisdom, because all gold, in the view of wisdom, is like sand. Well, we have to really appreciate what he's saying here to God. Solomon right now is the king of Israel. He has it all. Accordingly to all worldly standards, he has everything that you could imagine. He has riches, he has power, he has wealth, he has fame, he has notoriety. Solomon lives in the palace as the king of Israel. All he has to do is snap his fingers and immediately servants come running to him, ready to do his beck and call. So he has everything. And yet notice what he says. Scepter and throne, his very throne as king means nothing to him. Riches, priceless gems mean nothing to him when compared to the gift that God has given him, the gift of wisdom. And so we begs the question again, What is it about that gift of wisdom that he received from God that is so special, that is more than anything that he has? It's because Solomon wants to share that divine gift of wisdom for the benefit of all humanity. See, this is a great example of stewardship. You know, recognizing that God has given each and every one of us, you know, gifts, talents, skills, you know, prayers and prosperity. Not to use for our own personal use, but instead to use them for the benefit of others, for the benefit of our faith communities. See, that's what we are all about. And that's what our faith communities here established three years ago. We took on the spiritual and the stewardship theme of belong, believe, and become. We recognized 
that the first thing we have to do is nurture an environment in our parishes in which every person, whether they've been in the parish lifelong or whether they're a brand new member to the parish, they feel that this is home. This is the place where they belong. See, then that opens them up to believe, to grow in their faith. And after that, they become the person that God has created them to be. And therefore, just like Solomon, they freely share their skills, their talents, their prosperity, and their prayers for the benefit of the faith community. And in doing so, the parish flourishes and is always vibrant. Now, this first reading is a bridge that connects to the gospel. How so? Well, in both of the readings, we see individuals going to God in search of what they need to do to be good and faithful followers of God. In the first reading, Solomon turns to prayer to go to God in search of what God wants him to do. In the gospel, we have the young man who literally runs up to Jesus and asks him, what must he do to inherit eternal life? Notice how the gospel begins. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, it's interesting. Only at the end of the story do we find out this man and his identity. He is a rich man. Now, this is very odd and peculiar. Well, St. John Chrysostom said, It's because this man represents all of us. At the very beginning of the story, this man is a simple, ordinary man. He's a simple, ordinary person just like you and I. And so, yes, he represents all of us. Now, realize this man is asking Jesus, what must he do to get to heaven? You know, don't we ask the same thing, the same question? Aren't we all in search of salvation and eternal life? Better yet, fulfillment and meaning in life. Furthermore, this man, he runs up to Jesus, which means he demonstrates just how eager he is to receive eternal life. But better yet, he runs to Jesus because he knows Jesus and only Jesus is the source of eternal life, nothing else. He doesn't run to the temple in Jerusalem. He doesn't run to a synagogue. No, instead he runs only to Jesus because he is the source. Well, again, we too do the same thing. We are eager for salvation. We don't take eternal life for granted. But more more importantly, we know where the source is. The source of eternal life comes only through Jesus Christ. And that's why we practice our faith every day. Now, how does Jesus respond to this question? With a question back at the young man. And so, he piques the young man's curiosity. See, then it's interesting. Jesus brings up the commandments. But he only emphasizes those commandments concerning our relationship with others, other human beings. Therefore, if we truly desire eternal life, we have to sometimes remove some things out of our lives, some things that are contrary to the life of Christ. I'll give you some examples. He says, you shall not kill. Well, that's contrary to Christ. Christ is the source of all life, especially eternal life. You shall not commit adultery. Well, we have to be faithful to all of our commitments in life. 
regardless of what they are and to whom they are. You must not bear false witness. Well, Jesus is the source of all truth, so we must tell the truth. See, these are some basic things we can't do, or things that we have to cut out of our life in order to do the will of God and remain in good spiritual health, worthy of that great gift of eternal life. You know, a good analogy is you go to your doctor and you say, okay, what must I do to have better health? He or she will say, well, stop smoking, stop eating junk food, stop the lethargic lifestyle. Well, you say, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Well, your doctor will say, hey, I'm just telling you what promotes good health. Take it or leave it. It's up to you. Well, this holds true in the spiritual life. You know, we have a choice. But if we want eternal life, we follow those commandments. Now, the young man, we find out, he responds to Jesus. And he is already following these commandments. It says, Jesus, well, Jesus admires the sincerity and the integrity of this man who carefully observes the commandments. Well, so too with us. Jesus looks at us and he loves us because of our integrity and following the teachings of Christ and our church. Next comes the big challenge. Jesus says, you're lacking one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then come follow me. Well, do you want intimacy with God? Do you want a genuine friendship with God? Well, then let nothing at all come between you and God. And that's why it says the man walked away sad. See, he allowed his possessions, whatever they are, we don't find out what they are. But it doesn't make a difference. He had these possessions and they came between him and Jesus. And he chose the possessions over Jesus. Herein lies the primary spiritual lesson for the story. Throughout the centuries, saints have written about this great spiritual tradition. It's detachment. St. Ignatius of Loyola referred to it as the indifferentia. We have to remember, each and every one of us has an infinite longing for God. We were made that way from the very beginning of time and creation. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. And so we are wired for God. And nothing in this world can take the place or satisfy that infinite longing that we have for the divine in our life. But what's the danger? When we replace that infinite longing for God with something else in this world, then we're setting ourselves up for spiritual problems. And that was the problem of this young man. What is Jesus really doing in this gospel? He's challenging this man and us for change of heart. Move from having your whole life being centered around the world and all the worldly goods to now a perspective being God-centered, in which our whole life is essentially centered around God. See, Christ wants this man and us to be mission-oriented, such that we're not preoccupied with the things of this world that could distract us or prevent us from growing in our faith. We must let those things go and instead cling to God and God alone. Our deepest hunger should always be God. Another way of looking at this is from St. Francis de Sales' view. He said the problem with this young man is he had attachment, attachment in which Anything in this world, we are convinced we can't live without. Whether it's power, 
wealth, honor. A good example is a person that says, okay, I can do away with wealth and I can do away with fame, but I've got to have power. I've got to be able to control people and control situations. I can't live without it. Well, that's attachment. Well, if we look at the lives of the saints, we see people who could let go of all those things, people who could cling to God. Another way to look at this is the fact that worldly goods shouldn't define who we are. Now, don't get me wrong. The things of this world are all good, given to us by God. Whether it's cars, houses, property, jewels, vacations, hobbies, they're all gifts from God. We should enjoy them, sure, but they shouldn't define our identity. The source of our identity should always be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. You know, we have to take this lesson of detachment to heart. Now, mind you, it's not an attitude of apathy. Apathy says, hey, I don't care about anything or anyone in this world. That's not detachment. Instead, a person that practices detachment or indifferentia can say, Lord, I don't care if I'm rich or poor. I don't care as long as I can serve you. Or, Lord, I don't care if I'm old or if I'm young. I don't care. As long as I can serve you, my Lord. Or Lord, you know, I don't care if I live in that mansion on top of the hill or live in that tiny tin shack down in the valley. I don't care. It doesn't make a difference. As long as I can love and serve you in this world. That's detachment. Friends, today we learn from these biblical figures in the first reading as well as in the gospel. First, how to go to God and search for the way to be a faithful follower. And also, be indifferent to the things of this world. Instead, attach ourselves to Christ, now and always. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.